Good afternoon, church. I've entitled this sermon, um, Stepping Out in Faith. And we've got to look at a woman who has a background that many people, I would imagine, would rather forget. And it is my suspicion, really, if this woman walked into, um, I don't know, not all, but if she walked into any church assembly today, uh, many people, I think, would have nothing to do with her. But first of all, you know me, I like to tell a story. I heard a story about a couple of teenage sweethearts and they were on the sofa in, uh, in one another's arms where there came the sound of a key in the front door of this luxurious flat. The young girl bolted upright, her eyes were wide open with alarm. Oh no, she cried, it's my father. Quick, jump out the window. The young guy, equally alarmed obviously, raced towards that window and then protested. Are you crazy? I can't jump, he said. We're on the 13th floor. For heaven's sake, the girl said, this is no time to be suspicious. I guess the moral of the story is, don't do something if you're not prepared to pay the consequences. So what we're gonna do now, we're gonna look at a woman who was prepared to pay the consequences for helping God's people escape through a window. But as we're gonna see, she possessed many talents. And she ended up going from what I would say as from, okay, rags to riches. So I ask you to turn your Bibles to Joshua chapter 2, please. The Israelites, under the leadership of Joshua and Caleb, were beginning their campaign um, to possess the promised land. And if you look at Joshua chapter 2, verse 1, where we start, this is the first time that we find a woman by the name uh, Rahab. It reads... Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. Now, as you know, Joshua did not have any parents because the Bible says that he is the son of Nun. But Joshua sent out two spies from Shittim to spy on the land and report back what they saw. So they went into Jericho and they went to the uh, house of the harlot Rahab and stayed there. Now can you imagine, of all the houses they could have stayed in, they ended up in a prostitute's house. But have any of you ever asked, why did they stay at her house? Of all the houses, why hers? And there's many, many reasons why we could, we could bring up why we think they stayed there. And I'll give you three possibles. One. So when you want to gather information, I believe, about a city, perhaps a prostitute's house is the best place to go because you could ask questions and she probably wouldn't ask any questions back to you, possibly. Two, Rahab's house, as we know, was built into the city's walls, which would be a good place for a quick escape. Three, which I believe is the more likely reason she was part of God's plan, and we're going to see later, we'll see that later. But whatever the reasons, the spies stayed at Rahab's home, they, but they didn't get into her house unnoticed. Somebody's seen them. Because it says in Joshua chapter 2, verse 2 and 3, the king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who come to, came to you and entered your house, because they have come to spy out the whole land. So obviously, that not only did, see, did somebody see these spies coming to the city, they actually saw them go into Rahab's house. And it's at this time the king kind of searching for them that, he, uh, that Rahab, I believe, begins to use her first talent. 
She trusted God to take care of the future. In Joshua chapter 2 verse 4 and 7 it reads, But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them, she said. Yes, the men came to me, but I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, the men left. I did know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under the stalks of the flax she had laid out on the roof. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate shut. So she helped them because they were God's people. She sent, the, she sent her fellow citizens on a complete wild goose chase because she knew that God's will will be done. In short, she trusted God to take care of her future. What she did, she stepped out in faith. When was the last time, church, did you step out in faith? If you're not a Christian this afternoon, then you have still to take that first step of faith. But if you are a Christian this afternoon, when's the last time you stepped out in faith and trusted God to take care of your next step? A mother and a little four-year-old daughter were preparing to go to bed one night. But her daughter was afraid of the dark, but secretly her mother was afraid too because they lived alone. When the light was out, the daughter caught a glimpse of the moon outside the bedroom window. Her daughter asked, Mom, Mom, is the moon God's light? And the mother said, yes, God's lights are always shining. A few moments later, the little girl asked, will God blow his lights out and go to sleep? Her mother replied, no, my child, God never goes to sleep. Then out of the simplicity of that little child's faith, which gave assurance, reassurance, sorry, to the fearful mother, the little girl said, well, as long as God is awake, I am not afraid. When was the last time, church, you trusted God like that? When Joshua was getting the Israelites to ready to cross the Jordan to the Promised Land in Joshua 3, after God had given instructions about how to cross the River Jordan, the Bible says in Joshua chapter 3, verse 14 and 17 this, So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at the flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who had carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarath. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Do you know what? That is faith. That's trusting God to take care of your next step. You see, what they did, they took a step and the water rolled back a little. Okay, they took another step and the water rolled back even more. They took yet another step and the water rolled back even more than that. And this went on because the Bible says in Joshua chapter 3 verse 17, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on the ground in the middle of the Jordan while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. When was the last time you stepped out in faith like that? Because the God, church, that you follow 
is always one step ahead of you, but you have to take the first step. He will take care of you because he never sleeps. And you know what? He is always looking out for us. Psalms 55 verse 22, cast your cares on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never let the righteous fall. Let me challenge you today to step out in faith. Let me challenge you to get up from your comfort zone and use that talent of trust. If you're a man and you've never led a song of praise in your life, let me challenge you to trust God to help you do that. If you've never shared a simple Bible lesson with someone, let me challenge you to step out in faith and trust God to be with you while you present that lesson. Perhaps in a men's class, a men's half day like we've just had. If you're a woman, let me challenge you to trust God to help you share a simple Bible lesson with the other women. Yesterday, me and James, we went out and trusted God. We went on the street to the city centre of Birmingham and we shared our faith. We stopped people, we chatted to people, we invited them to church for Bible studies. We just trusted God that he would put people in front of us. And we had one guy who gave us an email address. We, had some, we handed our cards out with our names up. We sowed seed. We trusted God. And you know one of the amazing things was, we got talking to some homeless people in the, uh, in the cathedral grounds talking about their lifestyle etc etc in church and of course a bit of alcohol they didn't want to know but what shocked me and what amazed me was the one of the ladies who was an alcoholic reached into her pocket took a pound out and gave Sebastian who was with us in the push jet a pound for some sweets what a lesson that is we go out to try and touch them and they touch us amazing Raya owned her own house, but she wasn't just a prostitute. I believe she had her own business. She manufactured and dyed linen. That's why the Bible says in Joshua chapter 2 verse 6, she had taken the spies up to the roof and hid them under the stalks of the flax she had laid out on the roof. But she was willing to get up from her comfort zone, trust God to take care of her next step in her life. She was willing to put her own life on the line in order to help others. And do you know what? Why would she want to do that? Well, not just because it was God's people she was helping. Do you know what? She wanted to be on the winning side. Joshua chapter 2, verse 8 and 11. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you, and the great fear has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea, for, for when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, each of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted, and everyone's courage fell because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven and on the earth below. She has heard all about God, church, and what he has done to other nations through his people. But you know what? There is one thing knowing what God can do for you. But it's another thing to trust God that he can do it for you. So she wanted to be on the winning side. That's why she's remembered in the Bible, not just as a prostitute, but as a woman of faith. In Hebrews 11 verse 31 says, By faith the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. 
She welcomed the spies because she trusted God. Nothing more and nothing less. But just because she trusted God, it didn't mean that the two spies trusted her. Because remember, you've got to remember, Rahab was not a Jewish woman. She was a Canaanite woman. And Canaanites were among a group of people that God already warned his people about. He said to his people in Exodus chapter 23, verse 24, Do not bow down before their gods or worship them or follow their practices. That was Rahab, a Canaanite woman. So what did she do? She offers the spies, the two spies, a deal. And it says in Joshua chapter 12, uh, chapter 2, sorry, verse 12 to 16. And now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I've shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother, brothers and sisters and all who belong to them. And they will save us, that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives. The men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. So she let them down by a rope through the window, for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. Now he had said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find them. Hide yourselves there three days until they return and then go on your way. In a sense, she made a covenant with them. She made an agreement. You promise to take care of me and my family, and I promise I won't tell the king that you guys are going to um, kind of take over the city. But as there is with any covenant or agreement, there are terms and conditions always attached. Joshua chapter 2, verse 17 to 21. The men said to her, This oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down and unless you have brought your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. If anyone goes outside your house into the street, his blood will be on his own head. We will not be responsible. As for anyone who is in the house with you, his blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on him. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath you made us swear. Agreed, she said. Let it be as you say. So she sent them away and they departed. And she tied the scarlet cord in the window. Now isn't it interesting that she had to do something to make her salvation sure. Now this is very important. I want you to understand this. Because I want you to understand that her faith alone wasn't going to save her. She had to do something with her faith. Do you know what? It absolutely frightens me when I believe uh, when I hear people say to me, and I've heard it, well, all I have to do is believe in God. You know what? That's all that matters. I have faith in God and that alone will be enough to get me into heaven. <clears throat> faith in the Bible sense is never passive. It always leads us to do something. When your faith led God Sorry, when your faith in God led you to repentance, where you want to turn your back on Satan and turn towards God, your faith then leads you to respond, as Romans chapter 10 verse 9 tells us, by declaring that Jesus is Lord. And this means more than just a declaration of faith. It means that you're willing to serve him for the rest of your life. It means you're willing to do everything he has asked you to do. And after you have declared that declaration, the first thing you do with your faith is what? You obey his commands. 
It is amazing me. This, one of these passages I'm going to read now is not preached in churches today. And this is it. You obey his commands. Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. He said to them, go into the world and preach the good news to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptised will be saved. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Your faith leads you to your baptism. And when a person is baptised for, for the forgiveness of their sins, they are automatically signing up to an agreement to follow Christ. And the way we show that we are sticking to that agreement we made is by our actions. With God is by our deeds. For Christians to be sure of their salvation, faith isn't enough on its own. That's what James is trying to tell us in James chapter 2 verse 24 to 26. He says this, you see that a person is justified by what he, uh, what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies, sent them off in a different direction. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. God wants faithfulness not just to be shown in our hearts, but he wants it to be shown in our deeds. Your deeds need to reflect your faith. For Rahab to be sure of her salvation from the coming onslaught, she had to hang a scarlet cord from her window and make sure her family members were in that house. And she had to wait patiently. And patience is a talent that Rahab had and all of us have to possess church. It's one of the ways which people can tell that we're Christians. Galatians chapter 5 verse 19 to 23. The acts of a sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. I wonder what must have been going through Rahab's mind, church, as the Israelites walked around that city over and over again. I wonder if she ever doubted the oath that she made with the spies as the Israelites went round that city seven times, and all of a sudden, they hear the cry, Shout, for the Lord has given you this city, as Joshua chapter 6 verse 16 tells us. You see, she may have been patient, and she may even have had doubts, but God never forgets his promises. Remember the oath was made back in Joshua chapter 2 verse 12, with her and the Lord. And she wanted the two spies to swear by the Lord, Two, exactly the same. And they did as long as she stood by her side of the bargain. So this was like a, a, kind of a three-way oath. But as we know, God never forgets his promises. If God promises you something, you can be sure that he will fulfill that promise. You see, not only was she patient, not only did she hear of God's mighty works, do you know what? She saw her promises fulfilled. In Joshua chapter 6, verse 20 and 24, it reads... When the trumpet sounded, the people shouted. And at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. 
So every man charged straight in and they took the city. They devoted the city to the Lord and destroyed with the sword every living thing in it. Men and women, young and old, cattle, sheep and donkeys. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, Go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with your, with the, with your oath to her. So the young men who had done the spying went in and brought out Raya, her father and her mother and brothers and all who belonged to her. They brought her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp of Israel. Then they burned the whole city and everything in it. But they put the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron into the treasure of the Lord. After the events of Jericho, <clears throat> church, she came from knowing God to witnessing her own salvation by God. In fact, not only was God going to take care of her salvation, but he was going to take care of her present needs. Because in Joshua chapter 2, verse 25, it says this, But Joshua spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her, because she hid the men Joshua had sent as spies to Jericho. And she lives among the Israelites to this day. So what she did, she did exactly what Lydia did. She became a Jewish proselyte. And when she agreed to follow the Ten Commandments and follow God the rest of her life, God took care of her. And church, when it comes to our salvation, we need also to be very patient. You know, we live in a society today, do we not, where everything has to be done yesterday. Do you know, you can stay at home, you can open a bank account, you can get a loan, all by sitting on your backside at home. People do not save their money anymore. They want things now. They want things yesterday. They're not prepared to be patient and save up. And when people don't get things now, they get upset and they get angry. We've got fast food restaurants. We've got taxis that go everywhere, bus services, trains, reasonably fast, reasonably fast if they're on time. And if a train or a bus turns up 10 minutes late, as you know, then boy, do people lose their temper. But we need to be careful of that. That sort of spirit doesn't creep into the Lord's church. It cannot creep into the church. We're all waiting the Lord's arrival to bring us to our full salvation. But sometimes we get grumpy with each other. Sometimes we start judging each other. But we need to use the talent of patience. James chapter 5, verse 7 and 11. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming... See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop. And how patient he is from the autumn, for the autumn spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers, or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. And that kind of brings me to my um, Rahab's final talent. Rahab was a prostitute who was loved by God. If you love someone, then you wouldn't be ashamed of them, right? Well, I hope you wouldn't be. Now, this is the one thing that intrigues me about the Bible. The Bible is brutally honest about people. It tells it how it is. Now, God doesn't care what background you come from. He doesn't care if you're a thief or a drug addict. But you need to know that God loves you. And he'll never be ashamed, be ashamed of the things that you've done in your past. <clears throat> See, you might be ashamed of the things you've done in your past. Your friends... And your family might be ashamed of the things that you've done in your past, but God isn't. He's not ashamed of your past, church, because he's more concerned about your future. Now, if you or I, right, 
We're going to sit down and we're going to write our family tree out for the world to see. I'm sure we might come across some people in our family's lives which we wouldn't include because of the things they did. Yeah, I'm sure we would. But if your name is Jesus and you lived the perfect life and you never sinned once, you would think that, that this is the way you would like to keep it. But church, Jesus wasn't like that. He was perfect in every way, but his family tree would make some people cry today and possibly blush. In Matthew 1, we find Jesus' family tree. And it starts off, a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac, the father of Jacob. Jacob, the father of Judah and his brothers. Judah, the father of Perez and Zerah, who his mother was Tamar. Perez, the father of Hezron. Hezron, the father of Ram. Ram, the father of Abinadab. Abinadab, the father of Nashon. Nashon, the father of Salmon. Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was who? Rahab. You've got drunkards, adulterers, and prostitutes, and so on in that list. And that's because Jesus has never been ashamed of being linked to sinners of any type. He loved Rahab that much he is remembered for her faith in the book of Hebrews, as we looked at earlier. James refers to her for her deeds in his book. And in Matthew, she's remembered for something else. She was part of God's plan to bring about the Messiah. And I encourage you to actually to read Matthew 1 sometime, because you're going to find all sorts of famous characters of the Bible. Some not so famous in there, some who served the, world, the, the Lord well, some who didn't serve him well at all. But all of them were sinners. Think about it. All of them were sinners. Think about this, though. A Canaanite prostitute became part of the lineage of King David out of which the Messiah came. Think about that. I think perhaps this is one of the early signs that God's grace and forgiveness is extended to all people. God's grace isn't limited by nationality or the nature of a person's sins. Psalm 14 verse 3. All have turned aside. They have Together become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Or as Paul tells us in Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and all fall short of the glory of God. Now according to Jewish, uh, Jewish tradition, Rahab was one of the four most beautiful women in the world. But she was also the ancestor of eight prophets, including Jeremiah and the prophetess Huldah. Now I said her final talent was that she was a prostitute who was loved by God. But what her real talent was that she allowed her God to love her. So I want to close by asking you the same question. Because we all accept that God loves us. But will you let him love you today? 1 Peter chapter 4 verse 17 to 19. For it is time for the judgment to begin with the family of God. And if it begins with us. What will the outcome be for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it is hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. God loves you, church. And visitors, if you're here today, he can only save you if you let him love you. And the only way to let him love you is by obeying the gospel. By confessing that he is Lord, like we looked at earlier. By doing that, you're calling out for God to love you. 
Acts chapter 2 verse 38, another passage of scripture which is not preached in many churches today. Peter replied, because they said, what must we do? Repent, be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So by repenting, you're starting to turn towards God to accept that love. By being baptised for the forgiveness of your sins, you're allowing God to wrap his loving arms around you. By being baptised, you're inviting his love to come and live within you. Rahab was a woman who learned to love and accept the love of her God. She really did go from poverty to riches. Let me encourage you all to let God love you today. Amen.